From the Catholic Archdiocese of Adelaide and ArchD Radio and Podcasting, this is the Parishes of Adelaide podcast for Wednesday, July the 1st. I'm your host, James Meston. Today we'll be spending time at the Clearview, Kilburn and Morfitt Vale parishes. This morning, I met with Father Silva, Iris and Don from the Clearview, Kilburn parish. We started with Father Silva reading and reflecting on this Sunday's Gospel. Yeah, today's uh, uh, Gospel reading is taken from, uh, from Matthew. So Jesus exclaimed, I bless you, Father, Lord of heaven and of the earth, for hiding these things from the learned and the clever and revealing them to mere children. Yes, Father, for that is what is pleased to you to do. Everything has been entrusted to me by my Father, and no one knows the Son except the Father, just as no one knows the Father except the Son, and those to whom the Son chooses to reveal Him. Come to me, all you who labor and are overburdened, and I will give you rest. Shoulder my yoke and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart and you will find rest for your souls. Yes, my yoke is easy and my burden light. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. Just reflecting upon today's Gospel, Jesus knows that ordinary people with large sensitive hearts can accept good news he preaches while proud intellectuals cannot. Jesus addresses people who are desperately trying to find God, who are exhausted by the search for truth, who are desperately trying to be good and who find the task impossible. God gave his people basic guidelines for a holy life, but the Pharisees ended up making God's law inaccessible and impossible to follow. So that's why Jesus invites burdened Israels and us to take his yoke upon our soldiers. Jesus does not mean that the burden is easy to carry, but that it is laid on us in love. This burden is meant to be carried in love, and love makes even the heaviest burden light. When we are tested with the trials and overburdened with pain and suffering, we ask God, why me? And when we fail to count the innumerable blessings that we have received. The example of one's life, this Arthur Robert Ashley Jr. was an American professional tennis player. He is considered the best African-American male tennis player for all time. He won three Grand Slam titles. Ashley was the first black player selected to the United States David Cup team and the only black man over to win the singles title at Wimbledon the U.S. Open and the Australian Open. Arthur Ashley was dying of AIDS, which he got due to infected blood 
received during heart surgery in 1983. From the World War, he received letters from his fans. One of them conveyed, why does God have to select you for such a bird disease? To this, Arthur has replied, the world over 50 million children start learning tennis. Five million of them learn to play tennis and 500,000 learn professional tennis. 50,000 come to the circuit and 5,000 reach the Grand Slam. 50 reach the Wimbledon and four to semifinals, two to finals. When I was the one holding the cup, I never asked God, why me? And today in pain, I should not be asking God, why me? In today's gospel, Jesus, the true Messiah, invites all the overburdened ones to his side for lasting peace and perfect rest. We need to unload our burdens on the Lord. This unloading is the main purpose of our personal and family prayers and is one of the functions of divine worship in the church. During the Holy Mass, in our parish church, we place our stress-filled lives on the altar and allow Jesus to cool down the overheated radiators of our hectic lives. And we are called not to find peace, refreshment and rest for ourselves, but also to live the kind of life through which others too may find God's peace, God's refreshing grace, and the joy of placing their lives in God's hand. Let me conclude with encouraging words of our Pope Francis. And he says, weep not for what you have lost, fight for what you have. Weep not for what is dead, fight for what, what was born in you. Weep not for one who abandoned you, fight for who is with you. Weep not for those who hate you, fight for those who want you. Weep not for the past, fight for your present struggle. And weep not for suffering, fight for your happiness. With things that are happening to us, we begin to learn that nothing is impossible to solve, just move forward. Amen. Now, this is a really unusual scenario that you find yourself in here because you were um, installed as the parish priest while all this COVID stuff was happening. That must have been surreal. Describe what this experience has been like for you. I mean, this must be, you know, I mean, speaking to a lot of people, like saying this is like a time in, in the life of our parish like we've never seen before. And even people who've been established in parishes for long periods of time, they're finding it kind of unnerving. For you, this must have been a, a, what a whirlwind of an experience. Can you can you talk a bit about it? Yeah, really, it's really quite interesting. I've been priest for 20 years. You no, know, back in India, you know, I moved to uh, manage to be the parish 
Paris priest uh, for three parishes. And you no, know, here in Australia, I was at Nolanga. Then I moved here. At you no, know, at the pandemic, you no, know, this situation, the church has been locked and people were, uh, you no, know, distancing. And you no, know, at that time, you no, know, just taking up the parish is you know, incredible. I never expected. That's a very, very unique experience. You know, even when I shared this, you no, know, uh, back to my bishop, you no, know, probably I was the only one, you no, know, uh, moved to, uh, to another parish to take up the responsibility at this time of pandemic. Then when I really realized, you no, know, the Archbishop of Adelaide is you no know, also moving at this time of pandemic. Oh. I have one to join in my, <laughs> um, yeah, my experience. But actually, it was no really very hard time you know, just to uh, move in. There was no one, no, as a, there, no official uh, installation, and there was no one to receive. And no, uh, some of, uh, two, three of my uh, priests, those who were working there at uh, Nolanga, they accompanied me. Yeah. Uh, we just you know, entered in, and uh, we were happy to see Father Leon, a very nice gentleman, you no, know, with warm welcome no and it, uh, received me there and no uh, almost no two uh, two weeks no be no totally disconnected uh, uh, with the people there's no no possibility of you no know, getting to know so then no actually you know i discussed with the irish you no know, the officer you no know, okay uh, put it in the parish bulletin that there's a new priest is in and um, I am happy to come to the office and to spend time here. So if the people are you know, free, so if they can you know, just knock the door and say hello to me, so that I, I can just get to know uh, the people. And uh, really that worked out when we put that, you no, know, a good number of people, you know, so one by one, slowly they came and you know, they said hello. Then I said, oh, I'm the priest, I'm the priest, <laughs> I'm the priest. Oh, that was quite interesting. And again, this is an official installation uh, for the Philip Marshall, you know, he was generous enough to uh, come to Kilburn to have it. But that was also you know, very personal. That was, uh, that was in room, my room, uh, one of the offices there and, uh, at Kilburn, myself and Father uh, Philip Marshall and I managed to get uh, the PPC chair, you no, know, the representing the whole of the parish community. So we three were at the room, you no, know, finished that uh, installation too. It was, it was, it was a very, very, you no, know, unique experience. You no, know. uh, I really, you know, when I look back, uh, yeah, this is this is the way the God wants to be, mm. and then I accept it. You no, know, I'm happy. Yeah. So Iris, you you were there. You were overseeing all this, all of this happening. As you have been overseeing, you know, the work of the parish for, did you say sixteen, seventeen years? Nearly nineteen. Nearly years. nineteen years. That's amazing. So th this, how does this sit in terms of uh, the kind of the most biggest upheaval of an experience that has been in this parish over the time that you've been here? How does it rate? Nothing matches this. I mean, you used the word surreal before, and that's the word that comes to mind. And I think the suddenness of it, uh, coming at the busiest time of the year for all parishes, leading up to Easter, no need to explain there what's involved. But then on top of that, uh, Father Leon, who had been our parish priest for 14 years, was retiring. And we had to plan a farewell. And we were right in the throes of that. The whole parish was behind it. And it was going along really well. And then we're starting to discuss, okay, once we do that on Palm Sunday, we need to organize something to welcome Father Silva. So everybody gets an opportunity to meet him. And then right in the middle of all this, the suddenness of it was like somebody just switched off a light. Mm. And I, it was, 
it took me ages just to get over. I think I was in denial there for a while. I couldn't bring myself to pack away all the Easter readings and all that we had planned for, for Father Leon, all these lists. I just no. Did you did you kind of think this can't possibly happen at Easter? Exactly. It can't. I couldn't see it happening at any time, but especially at Easter, I kept thinking there was rumours that something could happen. I thought, but surely they'll try to get us through Easter. They're not going to do this to us now. And I, I was gobsmacked. So that was going into the um, the lockdown. Um, as we've been slowly coming out of it. Um, the interesting part has been um, hearing people's stories. It's not all negative. You know, hearing people that are looking for the silver lining and um, and that really is so refreshing. There was one family that said to me that once they got over the initial shock of being thrown together 24-7 with, you know, the woman was telling me about her husband and her kids. She goes, after a couple of weeks, they started noticing such a change in the way they lived. It was like a whole different rhythm to their days where before they would be uh, coming home from work or school, there's meals to prepare, um, children have to do their homework, someone has to go to a work meeting, a committee meeting, junior has to go to football or ballet and it was all go, go, go. They sit down to a meal always with their eyes on the clock. She said after a couple of weeks it just changed. Um, there was more time to talk. The kids would help prepare the dinner as they chatted. Meal times were more relaxed. They didn't have to look at the clock. And she said they were connecting more. And that was so important, especially with the children. The children got to hear stories of their parents. The parents got to find out more about their children's thoughts on the future, perhaps their fears as well. And she said the biggest lesson she felt that the children learnt was to count their blessings. And we always say that to kids, count your blessings. You don't know how lucky you are. But she goes, this really brought it home, that at the end of the day, what are our blessings? You know, it's not the, the brand name clothes and the latest gizmo to play with. It's the safety of your home the love, the unconditional love from your family and, and to know that you are safe within your home with your family. And so she said, now when they pray for their blessings and thank God for their blessings, it's so much more to them. Mm. Now they really uh, connect with the important things in lives. And hopefully they will continue with that as we go out of it and not yeah. forget that those, these are the things that are important in life. How do you think that families, as they're experiencing this on their own, away from parish life, how do you think that as we now start to move back together, having those kind of experiences that they've had as families and individuals, um, how do you think that's going to impact on the parish more broadly and the parish community more broadly? Do you think it'll have an effect? Well, we can only hope so. Um, you hope that if, you know, they say everything starts at home and that also is your faith. If you get that from your parents first before you start coming to school or to church. So hopefully that I, I see that there's not as many children once they get to a certain age they don't seem to want to go to mass as often. Mm. Hopefully that will change and hopefully they'll start to be more involved in the church and look on the church as their parish family because that's also another form of, of family, if you want to call it that. So I'm hoping that as we come out of it, 
we're going to see more involvement with our young people. This is so interesting to me because although as a I can't think of any parish that I've spoken to so far that's had to deal with not just uh, the ramifications of what's needed to be adjusted through the whole COVID-19, but you've had, you know, a much-loved parish priest retire. You've got a new parish priest coming in to go through all of that installation process over the whole of Easter. So in a way, your challenges have been compounded, but everything that you're talking about are positives. Is that how you see it? I believe that everything has a positive side it's all about where you're coming from in your heart and in your mind if you look for the negative you will always find the negative Mm. you need to look for the positive like this family did Um, and even like this one young woman in our parish uh, she's very involved in the children's liturgy she sings in the choir and any event that comes up she's always one of the front people that gets involved And when she came back to Mass a couple of weeks ago, she said everything was different. It was quiet, not many people, no music. And I said, how did you find it? She said, refreshing. She said, for such a long time, she said, to be able to sit there and totally focus on the Word, on the Eucharist, and on private prayer. Mm. She said, I still want to be involved in everything, and I understand it has to go back to that. She said, but I think that from now on, Maybe every now and then I might even attend two Masses. One where I can just focus and then the other one where I'm busy with the children and and with the music and everything else. She said sometimes we get caught up in organising things that we forget to just sit down and focus. So there's another positive, you know, that she, she didn't complain. She found the good side of it. And hopefully she might even start going twice now, once when she's busy and once when she's not. Now, Don, I've got to say, it's a real pleasure to actually have uh, a member of the Knights of the Southern Cross here today because of the amazing work that you guys do for the uh, the Catholic community here in South Australia. So I'd like to just start by saying on behalf of the entire Catholic community of, of Adelaide, thank you to you and your wonderful organisation for what you do. Tell me a little bit about the, um, the, the, the work that you guys have needed to be doing here um, to support the parish during this, this time. Okay, well, first, I, I played two roles, I guess, in that because uh, my main role is I'm state chairman of South Australia, so we have a state council that manages South Australia. Um, recently, we started the branch in uh, Clearview, Kilburn Parish that um, we got the wheels turning there last December We've been able to communicate and buy, uh, you know, and get our business done. And uh, by communicating, I think it's um, it boosts the confidence of people. Mm-hmm. Um, the big the big thing with the branches was to to talk with them, boost their confidence. Uh, I sent them out uh, reports that I wouldn't normally send out after a state council meeting. I'd give them. Uh, a summary of what happened at that and just send it out to the branch secretaries for their members. Uh, That was a way of communicating and um, then we also invited uh, uh, one from a various branch each month to uh, 
come in on Zoom and see how the State Council meeting works. And uh, so, uh, you know, we had comments, we never knew that you, you guys did so much, you know. Mm. Um, but it was true, we got them going. So I would imagine that um, taking on this kind of idea of video conferencing technology would be something that you probably would never have even considered doing before because i mean maybe even if you personally might have been you know a, a proponent of it there would be probably a few others that would naturally go oh no that's not how we that doesn't feel right doesn't but i guess when you're faced with no other option you have to forge ahead with these new things so how's it been generally received like how do how do the knights now feel about the idea of getting together on video conferencing now as opposed to how you imagine they might have at the start well I, I not, never thought it would be possible. I knew about Skype and FaceTime. I'd never heard of Zoom uh, until this hit, and it was mentioned. I don't think many of us had. <laughs> no. And uh, uh, initial, you know, and we had blokes on state council members there uh, that didn't know the first thing about Skype. We got up, uh, got them up and running on Zoom, and now uh, for this, we've got a state council meeting tomorrow. And I gave them the option, and some have elected to do it on Zoom rather than go into the office. <laughs> That's huge. Okay, so what we're going to do, um, we'll just go around quickly as well. Uh, this is an opportunity here on this podcast for um, everyone in parishes to, um, to to give a message to um, the other um, um, congregation and parishes around Adelaide. If you could give one message, Father, to the other parishioners around Adelaide. From here, from Clearview, Kilburn, what would it be for you? Yeah, the thing is, no, never be panic. You no, know, life is all about the possibilities and the chances, and we never know what tomorrow brings. So, but when there is a suffering or when there uh, there is a dark, of course there will be a light. If one door closes and many doors are open, and this uh, pandemic, you no, know, uh, taught us many things. No, to go beyond our limits, or no, to find the new possibilities. Mm. And as we were not sharing, so new areas being really opened. And now what I see is, you know, it is not uh, actually it's uh, uh, social social distancing. It is you no know, for me. It is only a physical distancing, mm. and you know, socially we are more connected, and spiritually and emotionally we are much more connected. Oh, I love that. That's wonderful. Uh, Thank you, Father. That's brilliant. Iris, how about you? I think he said it all. But <laughs> in a nutshell, um, be patient, be there for one another. Um, we will get through this. I know that's the motto that's going around, but we will get through this together. Beautiful. Done? I would say that you will feel much better if you um, set about um, being busy in looking after others, that if you contact them, um, the people you know, and ask how they're going and what can be done and simply... You know, work with them to look after themselves and uh, you'll feel much better in yourself if you've achieved something there. At Morpha Vale Parish, I had the pleasure to meet with Father Roman, Kathleen, May and Shaji. Down here today at Morfitt Vale Parish. It's my first time down here. Thank you, everyone, for making me feel so welcome and coming in today. Father Roman, thank you very much for welcoming down here today. How's everything going now that 
we're in a position now where everything's starting to lift a bit. Masses can get larger. A lot of things have kind of loosened up a little bit more. It's getting back more to business as usual. But tell me, like, how has this whole experience been for you personally through the whole COVID thing and keeping this parish together and keeping this parish vibrant? The moments when I was a bit daunting about it, how it's go, how we survive. Do you remember any one of those particular moments where it really did feel like you were going, I don't know if we're going to be able to keep going with this? Particularly um, celebrating so-called private mess mm-hmm. um, with a very limited number of participants or parishioners and um, empty church and trying to embrace in my prayers all the parish. Yeah. Um, it was certainly joy. At the same time, um, a very hard, painful experience. Mm. Those moments of joy, um, do you recall any that stand out to you specifically? There were phone calls from people uh, showing the the support, reassurance of the prayers. There were moments like um, one day I was walking in front of the church and I noticed a bunch of flowers at the door to the church to the closing, to lock the uh, door of the church. Mm-hmm. Oh, people love it, love this place. They, they did not forget me. They did, did not forget Jesus. Um, and was, was there anything re- written on the on the flowers, that, the ones that you got? No. no just, just, just it was just a goodwill. Flowers. It's a goodwill gesture. Mm. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's a good, well, uh, nice gesture, but I could sense what was behind this. Yeah, right. So that's, that was very, very, very uplifting. And of course, when I rank people, particularly those vulnerable uh, from my sick list, and they were always welcome. And they say, yes, Father, we'd like to see you, to see you regardless the the threat of the passing the virus. They were always uh, were happy to see me. Yeah. So that's the, that's the moment which helped us to, to survive. Did you feel that your role as a parish priest changed a lot over the, the period that this happened? Not within myself. I always felt the same that I'm parish priest and responsible for these people. And what, they, does, and what does being a parish priest mean? Well, to to show the care, show the care, to feel the care for this for their spiritual well-being, and any decision which I was making, of course, with the consultation with Kathleen, uh, there were always that that orientation, how we can help people not only to survive, but to grow. And what they can, what they can learn, what we can sort of deepen out of this critical situation of the crisis. Yeah. So, Kathleen, in your role here in the parish, what did you see that the things came up that were challenges that perhaps you didn't see coming? Because I mean, when we heard all the news about this is COVID nineteen's hit, all of a sudden limitations, we can't gather together anymore. There's a whole bunch of obvious logistical things that happen that you've got to do and put in place. But I think the things that are always the hardest to deal with are the things that you don't see coming, the things, the challenges that you don't expect. For you, were there any that really stand out? Probably two. There was one particular gentleman who elderly, um, daily mascoa, and uh, I sent an email to him just to keep contact, and he was said how depressed he was. And that surprised me. And I thought, gee, I wouldn't have thought that person would have said that. Right. So, Did okay. they always present to you as a more? They're very positive, very open. So I'm thinking, okay, you've got to look through very open eyes because the exterior might not be what the interior is feeling. Yeah, of course. And then there was another occasion and 
I don't know this young couple. It's a brother and sister. They've been away the church, from the church for a long time and they'd only come back within a few months. And when it hit, um, the boy in particular was devastated. His comment was, well, why, how am I going to survive? What am I going to do? How am I going to get to Mass? And that was just a, a really touching moment. Uh, and we exchanged several emails um, Keep, keep positive, I'll tell you as much as I can when I do. So as soon as we knew we could start having a few people in the church, he was someone I contacted. Yeah. And it was just really lovely to see the depth of commitment of a young brother and sister who'd found their faith again and how desperate they were to be with Jesus. Yeah. It was so uplifting and so sad. So, I mean, the next question I was going to ask, was there any moments of that, that you found sort of like uplifting moments that you didn't expect? But moments like that, I guess, that they're kind of, they're happy and sad in equal exactly measure in a way, right. aren't they? Mm, anything exactly. else that's kind of come out of this that you've gone, wow, I never would have expected this to be a really positive outcome from this? The thing that I suppose I've really surprised me is the love and care of so many parishioners um, because I think so many of them understood the amount of work that went in was involved in setting up rosters and getting in contact with people and the generosity in so many parishioners to say, how are you coping? You're in, you're in my prayers every day. That was really, really uplifting and very much appreciated. Yeah. Have you found yourself busier through this? Oh, yeah. flat out. Yeah, right. <laughs> flat out. Even yeah. though, I mean, even though I guess less is happening, more planning has to go into what actually does happen. And it can all change in a second, as, as we've seen. Mm. And I think that the thing is, too, that when people bring up, for example, you say get 20 people in a church, how do you manage that? Who do you say yes to? Who do you say no to? Yeah. Who do you change for another day? So the, the work is far more pastoral and trying yeah. to um, be with people when you have to say no and move them to another time. Yeah, it's a different type of work, um, but yeah. very, very busy. I was having a conversation with a priest uh, about a month or so ago, and it was right at the time when the restrictions were down. I think it was down to 10 people mm. per mass. And he was genuinely, you could really sense, um, I thought, genuine anguish that he was mm. finding it so difficult yeah. to have to be the person to say to people, we can't gather together. And mm. he was even, like, thinking in terms of going, you know, in some ways it would just be easier to tell people we don't have mass on, we can't gather together as an entire mass community. Does that even make us uh, a parish anymore? Because it seemed to go against to him what the idea of being a parish was. It must have been very, very hard to have to go through that mm. that, that time. It is, and it is difficult for people, but I will say that, um, once again, the the goodness of so many of our parishioners who say, look, I've attended Mass this week, I won't come next week, I'll step aside for someone else. That really blew my mind yeah. that um, people were, even though they're hungering to be at Mass, um, they could see the need of someone else. So there's been, for me, I see a lot of good that's been demonstrated, yeah, uh, which has been lovely. Hey, Mia, how are you going? Not too bad at this stage, thank you. Oh, that's good. It sounds like this is a, a very closely knit, caring community here at Morfitt Vale. It certainly is, yeah. Have you been a part of this parish for, for a while? 25 years thereabouts, yeah. 25. Yeah, yeah. What is it about this parish you think that makes it unique? It's humane and it's real. We believe in prayers, mm -hmm. very prayerful. We're close to each other. And when it came to wondering how everybody fared, 
in this uh, situation, when people finally did come back, the few that did come back, the faces told stories, the joy that they found. And uh, if anything, it's brought us closer together, this COVID-19, uh, it's brought us closer together and the strengths of people that some people have shown and having a priest like Father Roman and Kathleen, we are very, very blessed indeed. And what have you seen, what they've done? Like what's been your impression as an outside observer? Because, of course, they'd they've be too humble. This, they wouldn't say. Yeah, but they've kept this together. They've kept us going. And they've how have they done that? The parish by, uh, I know it's not the kind of answer that you're looking for, but they have. Um, if it's an honest answer, it's the answer It I'm is an for. honest answer. Yeah. I wouldn't give you anything but. Fantastic. They um, have made it possible for us to attend Holy Mass and been in contact with us mm -hmm. and gradually increase the numbers, change the seats, mm. numbers and so forth and so forth, yes. And Father Roman has, his homilies have been spirit-inspired, they've been special, so much so that I did ask a copy for one of them. So when you said before, you said uh, in, in a lot of ways um, this whole situation has brought people closer together. Has your feeling or thought about what being a parish is, has it changed at all? It has changed to a degree that there is now a longing to come to Holy Mass, a longing to participate in the service. Even personally, I find that I'm listening to the readings that I've, I've listened to for years, I somehow noticed some, said, wait a minute, you know, that is close, uh, clearer now. Yeah. Was that there last year? It probably was. So that's the ask for, for, uh, for personal experience here. Yeah. That's all I can give you. But I do know that uh, we are missing it. But we have, a, yeah, well, never mind, we won't go there. What's that? It's, it's too feely-feely for you liking, I well, think. What do you think? Well, it's because we have been deprived, we've become more longing and we've become deeper uh, in our belief, in our faith, and to appreciate the people who are looking after us. Whereas Kathleen was in the office there, fine. He was door, got shut by the Roman, did Holy Mass. And, but now they're really, really real people now to us and they're coming out with their anxieties. Right. We, we can see it. They might have wanted to hide it. <laughs> but I, guess, I guess like don't. moments like this, um, everybody, you know, everyone's got to dig deep, don't they? they you, and and you can't, right. you know, and, and I think that the way we, we are in parish with each other, quite often there's, there's so many prescribed things that we do. We know exactly when the mass is going to happen from Formance, week to week, yeah. all that stuff. So you, you, you get into a rhythm that, that stays the same, can sometimes stay the same for years without even really changing. And it's very easy um, to just to get into that rhythm and to also, I guess, relationships can, mm. can form and, and solidify in exactly that way. As soon as something like this happens, all of a sudden, it's not the rule books out the window, but everything's kind of gone and everyone's feeling... Um, you know, Humane. everyone's feeling it. You know, it's it must be really, really rough. So I think it would be, you know, um, it, it would be a, it would be a very specific kind of person that would be able to go through something like this and not show that they feel it because people don't get involved in parish because it's work or business or anything like that. They get involved because they're 
they're, it's a vocation. They're spiritually led there. Mm-hmm. So, of course, people bring themselves to that. So, Mia, I don't think that's too feely-feely at all. I think that's totally legit. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> uh, now, Shaji, for you, um, what has uh, the responsibilities that you've had around the things that you've done for Parish? What what's changed for you? Uh, this has been the biggest change for you since this whole thing hit. The biggest change in my life with COVID is uh, understanding God. Talk about that. We certainly, as the humans, do not look into His love for us. We always look at him as a God where we go into the church with a list of what we need. Oh God, this is what I need. This is what I need to have. This is what we need to do. This is my things. This is my downfalls. This is where I need my... And we never try to understand him. And we never look at him through his eyes. And how love is so beautifully explained in the biblical. We do not take time. That's where we really fall. Mm-hmm. As you said earlier, we this priest of mine, we have to look and look at Jesus. The very cross itself is the meaning of what God is. His love for us. And we turn to understand, why is that we having this COVID? Why is, why is that we, God is not with us? Because our wisdoms are not as high as his. We do not look at him. We need to understand how he works and why it is that he is not present among us visibly because we do not read the Bible. None of us take time in praying, do we? No. We have more time to spend for ourselves, but we do not have time for our God. So clearly this experience has been very transformative for you. Indeed. Yeah. It's shown what we could do with prayers alone. The the amount of prayer, the, the power of prayers, and the true belief in the love of God changes the whole prospects of us at looking this world. And what has it changed for you? We should be fortunate how fortunate we are. And why are we afraid? This is just the beginning of what has to come. It is just the beginning. Mm. This is just, this pandemic is not the end of anything. Mm. It's just the beginning. How do you think that, well, I I mean, you're talking in much bigger brushstrokes. I was going to say, how do you think that the parish is going to be different from now? But I'm going to go bigger. I'm going to say, how do you think the entire church is going to be different coming out of this whole experience? What do you, how do you think we're going to see change? We need to change in a positive way. We need to spend more time. This is a wake-up call to each one of us. Oh, yes. It's just not the parish or not just the church. It's just not the priest. Wake-up call to what? What it, do we need to wake up to? Each individual of us, we need to pray. We need to spend more time. We need to understand who our God is. Sure. And we need to understand what He looks onto us. He has something to do with us, but we do not give Him His chance to, for His work to be done through us. Each individual has a job in this world to me, but we never give that chance to our God. It's because it's the other way around. It's our job to be done by Him. Mm. We have a list. This is what needs to be done. How many of us over here in the parish, around the world also, it's changing, I think. We need to spend time in prayer. How many of us read Bible? 
How many of us do spend time in praying, saying our rosary, or even including the most divine, most powerful divine mercy? How many of us do that? We don't, do we? <laughs> <laughs> well, from what, from I'm, I'm guessing from you, you're asking all these rhetorical questions at yeah. the end. I don't know if you're expecting people to jump in, but clearly for you. It was a big change Indeed. because you're saying, you know, we, we, we don't do that. Me. So clearly that, that, that you've done more of this. You've spent more time in prayer. You've spent more time with, with the rosary, which is prayer yes. itself. And you have seen on the other side a different view of your own faith. Yes. Mm-hmm. And you could see how God is with you. He, he, he is always with you. Mm-hmm. Wherever you go, whatever you do. Yeah. And he's always with you. Yeah. It's not, he's not that he's not with you. Now, Father Roman, before we finish up, um, now, because I've got you here, I really want to take this opportunity. If you could um, give us uh, a message for the members of our Polish Catholic community here in Adelaide, it would be really wonderful that they can all listen to. Well, thank you for giving me this opportunity to address my Polish brothers and sisters who are those who are served by, as opposed to being saying Polish. (laughs) That was the idea, yeah. (laughs) Would that be okay? <laughs> Thinking English. Thinking Polish. Maybe another one. Jesus Christus, my dear friends, who are listening to this radio, this conversation, who are either Zmartwychwstania Pańskiego, bądź też są obsługiwani przez księży zmartwychwstańców. Niech ta tajemnica zwycięstwa Chrystusa będzie dla nas wszystkich wsparciem i, i drogowskazem. Będzie dla nas tą mocą, że wszystko co, wszystko zło, które, którego doświadczyliśmy, może być zmienione tylko przez Niego w naszej obecności na dobro. I tego szczęścia, tego pomyśl- tej pomyślności, tej niezachwianej nadziei Wam wszystkim z serca życzę. Szczęść Boże. Wonderful. Amen. Thank you, Father. How do you know how wonderful? Hi. <laughs> <laughs> Parishes of Adelaide is a production of ArchD Radio and Podcasting for the Catholic Archdiocese of Adelaide. You can subscribe to this podcast and have it delivered to your device every Wednesday as soon as it's released on whatever platform you're listening to it on right now. Music in this episode is from Kevin McLeod, Lee Rosevear, and Hyde. If you think there are other people who may enjoy this podcast, please share it with them. And if there are others you know or in your parish who don't have the technology to listen to podcasts on their phone, iPad, computer or other digital device, we can make CDs of this podcast available. Please contact me by email, that's in the show notes, and we'll work out how to get those to you. My name is James Meston. I'm having a week off next week, so I look forward to catching up with you again the following Wednesday. I'll see you on the 15th.